So in speaking today about divisions and we visions, the latter meaning inclusive, unifying, we are one outlooks, I'll start by sharing a hard truth. While like you, I'm aware that the world has always had its afflictions and disasters, on the ecological front today, it's different. Never before have human beings had to wonder whether the planet that gave rise to us and to the miracle of all life can continue to support that marvel. Plus, not only is the natural world in crisis, but our cultural and political worlds seem to be following suit. And especially over the last several years, many of us have experienced at least moments, if not more, of worry, anger, fear, sorrow, dismay, gloom, and the like. All of this comes from living in the midst of a grand betrayal, a period when all too many private and public sector leaders are betraying the most basic of societal, political, economic, and environmental covenants. And instead of offering forward-facing vision, they often offer hollow, backward-looking slogans that appeal to nostalgia, but offer no real answers to our convergent crises. And it's painfully evident from the extreme forms of political and religious fundamentalism that have emerged that many people can't find any other strategy than to dig in their heels and try with all their might to stem the tides of change, in part by either perpetrating or swallowing falsehoods of the lowest order. And on so many levels, it's an ugly affair. Yet when viewed not with judgment, but empathy, this reveals the confusion and desperation many folks feel in their souls today. So much so that for those of certain religious persuasions, a final divine intervention and judgment seems the only relief from the world's tribulations. But despite all the cultural chatter about an apocalyptic end times, it's vital to realize this. What ends are dominant cultural and religious narratives and the social orders built upon them. The world goes on as T.S. Eliot affirms in part of reading number 685 in our gray hymnal. What we call a beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. At certain times, it becomes strikingly clear that such endings are necessary and now. And ecologically and culturally, we're right there. Business as usual cannot continue. Of course, there are many facets to this ending as beginning, but no less a philosopher than philosopher Immanuel Kant summed up the big picture well. For peace to reign on earth, humans must evolve into new beings who have learned to see the whole first. I'll say that again. For peace to reign on earth, Humans must evolve into new beings who have learned to see the whole first. And perhaps the basic divide in many cultures right now is between those able to embrace such spiritual and cultural evolution 
and those bent on resisting it, which at root largely depends on whether one's overall consciousness is more expansive or more restricted. In Alexander Solzhenitsyn's 1978 Harvard commencement address, A World Split Apart, here abridged, he nailed our evolutionary task. If the world has not approached its end, it has reached a major watershed in history, equal in importance to the turn from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. It will demand from us a spiritual blaze. We shall have to rise to a new height of vision. The ascension is similar to climbing onto the next anthropological stage. No one on earth has any other way left but upward. Notice, he does not speak of moving along a horizontal left-right political axis, but ascending a vertical axis of higher spiritual consciousness. And even heeding Dr. King's and Gandhi's counsel to hold more restricted opponents in the light of love, there are few things more dispiriting for those with higher awareness who can see the dire need to change and carry visions of a better way than dealing with the incomprehension, immaturity, and reactive attacks of those whose consciousness is currently fixed at a more limited stage, and who, if they have their way, will take the whole ship down. Especially hard when you know that with expanded consciousness would come an ethical awakening, and the public policies and business practices they now favor would be abhorrent to them. So, if you are in some distress, it's completely understandable. In fact, in his classic work, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, mythologist Joseph Campbell writes that at this historical juncture, quote, every one of us shares the supreme ordeal, not in the bright moments of our tribe's great victories, but in the silences of our personal despair in the silences of our personal despair. Yet, in the midst of our collective dark night of the soul, there is hope. Eminent cultural historian Thomas Berry said this, the dark periods of history are the creative periods. For these are the times when new ideas, arts, and institutions can be brought into being at the most basic level. The great Sufi mystical poet Rumi put this poetically. When school or mosque or tower or cathedral or temple or minaret gets torn down, then the dervishes can begin their community. Not until faithfulness turns to betrayal and betrayal turns to trust again can any human being become part of the truth. And truth, and with it trust, are indeed sprouting from the wreckage of the grand betrayals perpetrated by those of a more restricted consciousness. Because just as in prior eras, for instance, uh, when, for instance, the dominance of feudal warlords gave way to the rule of religious authorities and monarchs, and just as these were later replaced by democracy, a more just and inclusive and compassionate consciousness is ascending. So while at times you may feel alone in the silences of your personal despair, in fact, 
you are not. We have entered a new historical epoch, and all over the globe, forward-thinking people are decrying the injustices and flat-out insanities our current systems and their power mongers are fostering. This global movement has moved past egocentric consciousness, me, past ethnocentric consciousness, us, to world-centric consciousness, all of us, including all the other creatures that share this planet and the health of the very life systems on which all of us depend. Returning to Kant, such people, you among them, have evolved into new beings who have learned to see the whole first who consider the entirety of things, the common good, not just the personal or tribal. And they are demanding and creating better ways of doing things based upon an ethos of sustainable thriving for the entirety of our interdependent world. In doing so, they are seeing and serving the whole and thus helping peace to reign on Earth. And as more and more of us make that evolutionary leap, the level of collective consciousness rises, allowing new potentials to be realized. I'm not suggesting that traveling this higher and wider road during our current cultural end as beginning will be easy. Mahatma Gandhi said that our ability to reach unity and diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization. And while some beauty is emerging, we are very much still in the testing phase. It's a deeply challenging and heartrending time, to say the least. And the powers that be won't release their death grip easily. Yet the final aim of one's spiritual development is not some blissful flight from the world's harsh realities but the level of compassion and commitment we bring to the biggest issues and conflicts of our time, which often includes pushing past pain, paralysis, privilege, avoidance, and fear. And like so many others across America and the world, folks like you refuse to allow a soulless economic and political machine to continue to sacrifice the common welfare, other people, our beautiful planet, and our children's hopes and dreams on the altar of unenlightened self-interest. In doing this, you are on the right side of history, because from the abolitionists to the suffragettes to those they gave birth to and continue to champion the civil, women's, LGBTQ+, human and environmental rights movements, people with an expanded consciousness who raise their eyes to higher vistas of possibilities who open their hearts to embrace wider circles of concern and who act on behalf of more inclusive and benevolent values are always justified in the end. Always. All. Ways. In closing, years ago I lived on an island in Puget Sound for a few months. Out biking one day I decided to explore a dirt road into the woods. It quickly sloped downhill and I coasted fast through the pines. Rounding a corner at the bottom, I hit my brakes hard, literally at the end of the road. Before me were tangles of rebar and broken cement and a sea of dry gray stumps, the remains of a deserted logging operation. Taking in this unexpected and unsightly change of scene, it struck me that it symbolized our broader environmental and cultural situation. 
Since the industrial age, Western culture has pretty much been coasting on the Earth's bounty and the backs of other peoples, the wreckage hidden by a thin veneer. And the only way out is to take a hard look at what we've wrought, get it in gear, and start a long, steep, uphill climb. As I pondered this, a bald eagle appeared overhead, circled three times, then perched in one of the few trees left standing. And I felt in my soul that in this day of reckoning, like the proverbial dove bearing an olive branch back to Noah's Ark after a mythical world-ending flood, the spirit of life, the eternal and ever-renewing source of all things, has not forsaken us. I felt this then, and I believe it now. Whether you view that as a transcendent spiritual consciousness or the collective human spirit, through this, through us, and our consciousness of all of us, a whole new civilization is begging to be born. One that doesn't denigrate the past wholesale, but realizes it is past, as are the viewpoints that created it. A civilization that retains the best of what we've known, but now transcends it. And if we each determine to give what we can to birthing this, British spiritual teacher and scholar Andrew Harvey offers a promise. He writes, you will come to realize that far from being too fragile to bear the pain of the world, you are in fact far more able than you ever imagined to confront without fear or illusion what is really happening to yourself and others and the natural world, and far more powerful an agent of healing than you ever suspected. Again, Rumi captured this poetically, and we can believe him. In the ruin of heartbreak, you find the diamond of a divine passion that can resurrect the dead. This redemptive resurrection is born of the deep empathy that arises when we carry the consciousness that in truth interdependence, not rugged individualism, is at the heart of life. This UU congregation is one place where that consciousness expands. Our vision rises and our hearts break open, both with lamentation and with a passion to bring about expansive inclusion and true sustainability that cherishes and protects our entire planetary community. And recalling our opening words by A. Powell Davies, we will not let the limited consciousness of cultural dividers with their strange and foolish walls keep us from achieving this. And it's possible that at the turn of the next century, maybe even at the dawn of the next millennium, our descendants may celebrate our collective turn from tribal division to this higher we vision. When the scales finally fell from enough eyes and for the first time a critical mass of human beings truly understood that we are one species on one fragile, finite planet with one shared future, and began to act accordingly. This transformation, this new communion, is in some sense sacred because it reveres and upholds the whole of life itself. Each of you is a vital part of it, 
and together we shall eventually see it through to where T.S. Eliot prophesied it would take us. What we call a beginning is often an end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. Yet we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Namaste, blessed be, and amen.